0: If i only had one song that i could sing you or a story i could tell before i leave if i only had one message i could bring you there's no question it would be about the cross about the blood About the place I found God's mercy and love And although it's bittersweet remembering the cause there's something beautiful. I could sing about the state of grace I live in or the peace and joy I have when times are tough I could talk of all the blessings I've been given something big
1: the gift of salvation that we've received as a result of the cross. How he died on that, shed his blood, his perfect blood, for the redemption of our lives because of our sin condition. And I trust that you do stop and reflect on that. Uh, It is an amazing thing. Well, we talked about uh, today being Mother's Day, and it is uh, a wonderful time to stop and and reflect on how uh, important, influential, impactful mother's lives are to each and every one of us. Uh, William Ross Wallace penned a, a poem, and I'm sure you're familiar with at least one phrase out of this poem. It was written in 1819, or he lived from 1819 to 1881. And uh, the poem goes like this. Blessings on the hand of women. Angels guard its strength and grace. In the place, cottage, hovel. Oh, no matter where the place, wood that never storms assail it. Rainbows ever gently curled for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Infancy's tender fountain, power may with beauty flow, mothers first to guide the streamlets from the soul's unresting grow. Grow on for the good or evil, sunshine streamed or evil hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Women, how divine your mission, here upon our natal sod, keep, oh keep, the young heart open, Always to the breath of God. All true trophies of the ages are from the mother love impearled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Blessings on the hand of women, fathers, sons, and daughters cry, and the sacred song is mingled with the worship in the sky, mingles where no tempest darkens, rainbows evermore, evermore are hurled, for the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And it's a, a, a powerful poem on the importance of a mother's touch and how it, it touches and changes, how it molds and makes a, a child into an adult and how that adult's decisions could impact the world. It's really, uh, you think about Mother's Day and it's a day of celebration, but mothers have a great responsibility. There is a, a great burden placed upon mothers. Uh, there is a, a great job that is... Uh, given to you, assigned to you. And uh, dealing with burdens is one of the hardest tasks of our lives. We are all faced with struggles and trials. At one point or another, they seem greater or lesser, but uh, we are certain to face them. Uh, To what extreme is unknown to us? At this point in your life, it may be all easy street, but we know in just a twinkling of an eye, that could all change. It doesn't take long for things to go from great to worse, and from worse to catastrophic. And, uh, and so, uh, bearing our burdens is one of the greatest difficulties that not just mothers will face, but we all will face. And we're going to learn this morning about our burdens and how we ought to deal with them. If you would turn with me this morning to 2 Kings chapter 18, we're going to examine the life of a king, Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was the king of Judah in the Old Testament. He uh, is living during the time of the prophet Isaiah and uh, actually Malachi. Both Isaiah and Malachi, I believe, are alive at the same time and prophesying in Israel. And and here is King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was uh, obviously a part of the bloodline that uh, inherited the kingdom of Judah. uh, Judah is the split off of the Uh, from Israel, and so they're kind of Jerusalem and, and Judah are two different kingdoms at this time in history. And Hezekiah is ruling the kingdom of Judah. God's chosen people had once again backslidden. Here Hezekiah finds himself inheriting a kingdom where the people had fallen back to idolatry. And at the ripe old age of 25, King Hezekiah inherits the throne of Judah. His first moves we see written in 2 Kings chapter 18. I think I told you 19. Why don't we look at 2 Kings chapter 18 and we'll see some of the first decisions he makes as king. 2 Kings 18 verse number 3. The Bible speaking of Hezekiah says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that David his father did, he removed the high places. These were places of idolatry and worship to false gods. And break the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it uh, Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Listen to these words spoken about Hezekiah. So that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. King Hezekiah is a pretty amazing dude, if you ask me. I mean, to have this characterization uh, given by the Lord, that there was no other king like him before him or after him in all of Judah. That's a a pretty pretty amazing uh, testimony about this young man's character. He was ambitious. He was full of zeal. He took over this job of being king and took it very seriously. His first jobs being to overthrow all that his dad had let stay. He tore down the idols and he tore down the high places and he removed all the idolatry and he reestablished the temple and he made certain to point all people to the one true God, that there is only one God. And he is the one that we ought to worship and serve with our lives. Hezekiah was amazing in what he... Uh, strove to do as such a young man. Ambitious, dedicated to the cause, full of zeal, ready to jump into the the thickest of it. It didn't seem to bother him. We can all be at that point in our lives where we're just ready to take on the world, ready to conquer anything. In the matter of a flip a page for us, though, 14 years is going to pass in Hezekiah's life. And in chapter 19, we see how things have changed for him. We see that he is now besieged by the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria uh, was out to destroy all of the competition in the area. Assyria was the the dominant factor in that region. And so they're out there trying to uh, conquer all of the kings. and, And the king there, Sennacherib... He is doing a great job at it. He's conquered a bunch of kingdoms, and now he's set his, his eye towards Judah with the ambition of conquering this walled city. Hezekiah finds himself in the midst of trouble. We see in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse number 10, that Hezekiah receives uh, a letter from the king. I'm sorry, 2 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse number 3. 2 Kings 19, verse number 3. No? Let's go back. Um, Verse number 10. This letter contained these words. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God in whom thou trustest deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be delivered unto the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all, the land, all lands, by destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered? Have, thou, have the gods of the nations delivered them, which my father have destroyed, as Gozan and Haran and Rezeph and the children of Eden, which were in Thelsar? Where is the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? and the king of the city of Sefervaim, and Hina, and Iva. Where are these kings? The king Sennacherib sends this letter to Hezekiah, and he, he says, Hey, you think you're going to stand up to me? You think you're going to be able to withstand? Look at all the other kings that thought they could stand too. They prayed to their gods. Look at how that fared for them. And he goes to list all of his conquests. This is... Not just a letter that had been received by Hezekiah either. It's been a torment that's been uh, besieged upon the city. As we said, they were uh, under siege of Assyria. And for quite some time, a messenger from Assyria had been yelling over the walls, uh, your God is not going to deliver you. Your God is not capable. And even as, uh, as Sennacherib says in this letter, your God is lying to you. He's not going to help you. You can't trust Him. He's not going to get you through these situations. The voice of the naysayer is strong. We see in World War II this same tactic was used. Around 1943, a, well, a now infamous voice was broad, broadcast across the airwaves. From Manila and all throughout the South Pacific, a voice which shared fond memories of home, some partial truths about defeats and victories and losses, split the airwaves. The voice of Tokyo Rose. You may have heard that, that name before, but Tokyo Rose was a, just a name given, a, a mythical name really, given to a... Uh, the female voice that was used, an English-speaking Japanese lady who was used to broadcast all throughout the South Pacific and even parts of North America that the Allied forces were losing, that America was being defeated, that the war was impossible for them to win. And even all the way up until the moments before their defeat, uh, this voice, this naysaying voice was crying out for the, the cause of discouragement, the, the cause of deterring the American forces from continuing to fight. And here we see the age-old tactic. It wasn't Tokyo Rose that came up with this. We see all these years ago uh, that the King Sennacherib was doing the same thing to the the people of Judah, crying over the city. Oh, it's no use. Your God is useless. He's lied to you. He's not going to deliver you. He's not going to help you. Look at all of these other cities who've already fallen. And it had taken its toll. Great discouragement was amongst the people. It was a, a bitter day when, when Hezekiah received this letter. This letter of discouragement, this letter of impending doom from the king of Assyria. He describes how he felt this day in 2 Kings chapter 19, of verse number 3. Where he says, And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of blasphemy. For the for the children are come to birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. Do you see how how downtrodden Hezekiah is at this point? He feels like he's come so far with his people and he has. He's brought them from worshiping false gods and he's restored the temple of of, of Israel and he's pointing people to the one true God. He's come to to full term, as it were, for a pregnant woman and that's the description that he uses here. We're all the way up to that point of birth. The child has turned and has dropped down and is ready for delivery. But now there is no strength. We just can't get any further. We've hit a wall. We've, we, we, we can't get past this point. You ever hit a point of discouragement like that in your life where you felt like you couldn't break through? If not, it will come. Just wait a little bit. That time where you feel like you've fought so hard and you've gotten so far, but uh, things just aren't going your way, you may say. The, the things aren't just working out. Where is God in these times? I've been so faithful to Him. Why has, he not been faith, why has He not been faithful to me? And that's where He is. He's using the depiction of this pregnant woman. You know how discouraging that is for that, that pregnant woman to be so close to finalizing that that delivery, bringing that child into the world and then stopping. We've been there, my wife and I, my wife, I've observed it, I've not been there, but uh, where you get up to a certain point and then all of a sudden it's like nothing's happening. You know, it's a dangerous place to idle. It's a place of death. If a child is left in that position too long... It could mean death for the child, it could mean death for the mother, it could mean death for both. And with great urgency, Hezekiah is describing the situation in which he finds himself where he just can't seem to gain the victory. He's overburdened, he's he's weighed down with these cares and and the voices of of the king of Assyria discouraging and deterring. What he needs is an intervention. And you know, when you get to that point in the hospital, that's the point where the, the doctor comes in. It's been nurses up to this point, but now the doctor is there. Steve, would you take a step back? We're going we're to get in there and we're going to help this situation out. We're going to intervene. You've hit this wall and, and now it needs some, some more than just your own effort. You need something else to help you along. And Hezekiah finds himself in this position. And how he deals with this great burden that is upon his shoulders is a lesson for all of us. And that's what we're going to look at today how he dealt with this burden. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this morning. Lord, we pray that you would be with this service this morning. Lord, guide the thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would speak to hearts and that you would change our lives. Lord, help us to learn. From you, how you would have us to respond in these difficult situations. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's jump down here. We've read quite a few verses, but in Second Kings chapter nineteen and verse number fourteen, I want to reread a verse here. It says, "And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand." of the messengers. Hezekiah received this letter. Now, we've already described what is in this letter. This letter is a a picture of the burden that he will carry throughout this story. I want you to see what he does with this letter. Just the very next phrase, it says, And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. You see, there are great burdens that we will face in our lives. Things that seem insurmountable. Opposition that just seems that it's impossible. We will never get over these things. They are holding us back. And his immediate response is a response that we should take note of. He went up into the house of the Lord. He went up into the house of the Lord. Now, uh, it... It would be great, and, it's, and in practice it would be wonderful for me just to say, you know what, you need to be in the house of the Lord. But that is just part of the truth here. Because we're speaking Old Testament. And the house of the Lord was more than just the gathering for the edifying of the saint. The house of the Lord was a representation of the presence of God. It was the tabernacle, it was the temple where God's presence lived It existed uh, before the Holy Spirit came to indwell you and me after Jesus Christ's crucifixion. And what we see here taking place in Hezekiah's life is not just a running to a place, but a running to a person. And more specifically than a person, running into His presence. Running into the presence of the Lord. We are so uh, capable of solving our problems that even when we uh, hit that wall, as it were, like Hezekiah, where it just can't bust through, we we still want to solve our problems on our own. But here we find Hezekiah Hezekiah realizing, you know what, I've got to be with the Lord. I've got to get into His presence. And I want you to note how easy that response came for him. It was immediate. It was without hesitation. I would even venture to take the liberty to say it was habitual in his life. That when he ran into problems, his immediate response was always to run first and foremost to the Lord. If you look back in the chapter 18, or earlier even in this passage, you'll see that he's already been there once concerning this problem, that he's rent his clothing, that he's put on sackcloth and ashes, and that he's already been sitting before the presence of the Lord. No, it wasn't uncommon for Hezekiah to be in the presence of the Lord. He knew that there were burdens that were too great for him to bear. But he knew that the only place that he could have those problems resolved would be for him to be in the presence of the Lord, to be in the house of the Lord. And while it is, yes, the presence of the Lord, it is also the place, the house of the Lord. It was common for him to be there. It was a path well-trodden. See, when difficulties and troubles face us in life, our eyes may swell with tears, our mind may become foggy with anxiety. And what happens to most people who have not been faithful to the presence of the Lord or to the house of the Lord? In those moments of confusion and of anxiety, they never find their way back to the presence of God. You see, we live in a world today that is very much of the mentality of, oh, uh, you know, we hear it all the time, oh, sending prayers and prayers and good vibes and and I'm praying for you and we just throw all these things out there like uh, they're just a lucky rabbit's foot. But that's not what the presence of the Lord is. It's a place for us to be in sunshine and in the gray skies and snow and sleet and rain. It's where we ought to find ourselves all the time. Consistently, so that in those difficulties, we can navigate our way there, as it were, by memory. Without delay. King Hezekiah moves immediately into the presence of the Lord. We see, as we continue on in this verse, in verse number 14... And this is really where I want to focus here a good portion of the message. Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord. You see what he did here? And spread it before the Lord. I love the phrase. And spread it before the Lord. In your bulletin today, you have a little printout of a letter, it's a blank letter. It's left blank intentionally, and hopefully you'll use it later on. See, there are many, many burdens of this life. There's concerns, there are cares. You can't deal with them without the presence of God, supernatural intervention. You won't be able to get through them without the house of God. But in order to get the resolution to those, you have to be willing to spread them out before the Lord. This spreading out before the Lord is not just symbolic. It's not just some gesture. To me, it implies a whole lot more of what King Hezekiah was doing before the Lord. He was coming before the Lord in humility. And we know because of other passages throughout the Bible that it's an invitation that God extends to all believers. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, "...Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, "...Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." There is no doubt in my mind today that there are believers sitting in this room and you are faced with uh, so many problems and concerns. The cares of this world are certainly overbearing at times. That voice crying over the wall, oh, your God's a liar, is still very prevalent today. Right. Right. He's incapable, He can't help you. Trust yourself. But there's an invitation. An invitation extended to all believers that we can come before God and we can spread those concerns, those burdens, those cares, those woes, uh, those things that are hindering us, those hurdles that we can't get over, that we can spread them out before God. What What a new decoration the tabernacle finds itself adorned with on this day. Before it was fancy furnitures or special ornaments that all had some kind of spiritual significance for uh, sacrifices and for offerings. But on this day, a man walks into the temple, into the house of God, and says, God, here's my heart. Here's the thing that I can't overcome. And what an amazing blessing that is to a believer. To be able to carry those burdens into the arms of God and say, God, here they all are. And there's more to be said about that. But before I go there, let me make something abundantly clear. That privilege is not for those who are not God's children. Amen. Right. Right. There is a burden that every one of us bear that must first be dealt with before we can bring our cares to Him. And that is the burden of sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You may be in this room this morning and you may be thinking to yourself, I, I, I don't feel like I have a burden of sin. Things seem to be going well for me. Well, they went well for Hezekiah for a while too. And sin is pleasurable for a season. But the Bible is abundantly clear that every human being that is born has a sin problem. Whether you feel the consequences or you perceive them as consequences right now or not, it's inconsequential to this conversation. Because you have the problem, the Bible tells us, that sin has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And if you're sitting under my voice this morning, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if there has not been a point in time and a place in your life where you have independently and willfully placed your faith and trust and called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, then you're going to go through your life bearing your own burdens. And you're going to go into the afterlife having to pay for that burden of sin yourself. But just as the offer is extended to believers that we can cast our cares upon Him in this present life, the offer is extended to all who live because God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You may be carrying your burden of sin, but that is not God's intention for your life. That is the first burden that you need to spread before the Lord. You need to walk into the throne room of God and you do that through a simple prayer. God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that there is a consequence for my sin. I understand that I have to pay for my sin. Lord, your word teaches me that the wages of my sin is death. But Lord, I also see that the gift you offer is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're sitting in this room today and you don't know 100% sure that heaven is your home, you've never got that settled, I guarantee you that's a burden that will weigh on your mind the rest of your life. I knock on doors on a weekly basis. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd spend an eternity in heaven? I hope so. You know what that hope means? I don't know. And you know what that lack of knowledge means? I doubt it. And you know what that doubt means? I'm burdened by it. Are you burdened by it? Spread it before the Lord. Accept Him as your Savior. And He will forgive. For the believer... We're back to our opportunity. Our opportunity to come before the Lord to to spread our concerns concerns and our our cares upon Him. And this spreading is is such an amazing thing. It's it's not just that I'm laying it all out, but it's that God is going to see every part of this situation. I think a lot of times we don't take our concerns and cares to the Lord the way that we ought to because we know that there's other things that will be revealed in the process. Sometimes we're guilty and our guilt hinders our spreading out of our burdens. There is no different process here. There is no magical steps that must be taken. If you have a care or concern that's just the result of a a child or or, or a a health concern or a burden or a a lost loved one, uh, you can bring those to the Lord just as easily and as quickly uh, as you can bring your sin problem to the Lord. And if there's something you're guilty of that you've allowed to creep in your life, maybe you've become backslidden. I know we don't use that word a lot, but I have no doubt that there are believers in this room today who are backslidden in art means you were at one point in your life more faithful to God than you are now. You are backslidden. You were at one point serving the Lord faithfully, and now you just barely come to a service. Then you are backslidden according to the Word of God. Do you know what you can do? You can spread that letter before the Lord. You can come before the Lord and you can lay it all out and say, God, I know I've not been the Christian I ought to be. I know I've not been dependent upon you the way that I ought to be dependent upon you. I know that I've become distracted by this world. I know I've become distracted by money. I know I've become distracted by occupation. I know I've become weighed down with the weights and the sins that does so easily beset every single one of us. I know that I've gotten to that position. Lord, I'm laying it all before you. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What an amazing thing! I can spread my letter before the Lord. King Hezekiah, overwhelmed, overburdened, discouraged, defeated, no hope in sight, and he walks into the house of the Lord, into the presence of the Lord, and he says, I don't know what to do. You're going to have to do it. And what an amazing thing, and he does. He spreads it right out before the Lord. Look at at what he says about the Lord in verse number 15. It says, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubims, Thou art God, even Thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down Thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes, and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. He laid it all out before God, and he said, God, I know, You're, you see this. You see, I, I'm up against the wall, and I don't know what to do, and honestly, I don't think I could beat him anyway if I tried. But I know you can. I know you can solve this problem. I know what you see and I know what you hear and you know what's going on and man, I'm just turning it over to you. He relinquishes control of the situation and spreads it out all before the Lord. Is there a heart or bound by trouble? Is there a life weighed down by care? Come to the cross, each burden bearing. All of your anxiety, leave it there. All of your anxiety, all of your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Spread it out before the Lord. I think we need a a reviving in our churches Of spreading out before the Lord. Of humbling our flesh. We are so prideful. We are so full of self. We are so consumed with the affairs of this life. And when you're so gripped tightly to the the things of this world, you can't spread anything out before God. Because you're holding on to it so dearly. We need a reviving of spreading out before God. God, there is nothing I'm holding back from you. There is nothing I'm going to keep from you. Any part of me you can have. Lord, I, whether it's the backslider, hey, you can come back to God, he'll forgive you. Whether it's an active servant uh, who's just become distracted or you're just doing it out of emotion, or you're doing it out of pride, you can come and spread that before the Lord too. Any one of us, no matter where you are at in your life, you can come before the Lord and lay it all out for him. We need a reviving of that because when we start to do that, when we start to lay it all out before the Lord, He'll be able to begin to use us. We talked about this morning in our Sunday school classes the preparation of David's life. And there was nothing that he held back from God. What are you holding back? What will you not spread out before Him? All of us have something. What part of your heart does He not have access to? What part of your entertainment does He not have access to? What part of your enjoyments of this life does He not have access to? Leave it. Lay it out before the Lord. Whatever it is, lay it out before the Lord. So you've got to stop holding back. You can't allow this flesh to dictate to you the decisions you're going to make. He laid it out before the Lord. As we close this morning, I just want to mention verse number nineteen. We skip quite a bit here where he's talking, but in verse number nineteen, he says, "Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee that thou, uh, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only." What does he do with this burden? Well, first of all, he brought his burden into the presence, the house of the Lord. What did he do with his burden? Well, he spread it out before the Lord. What did he do with his burden? He desired one thing, that God would get the glory. And that's it. You see, a lot of times we bring, legitimately bring our burdens before the Lord and we spread them out before Him. But we know what the outcome is supposed to be. And unless we see that outcome, then the prayer wasn't answered. Unless it gets solved the way we wanted it to be solved, then the prayer didn't work. But Hezekiah stands before the Lord here and says, God, you see all that's going on here. I'm up against the wall. Honestly, I could care less what happens as long as you're going to get the glory from it. I want you to save us if it be your will. But whatever happens here, I want you to get the glory from this. When's the last time you brought a burden to the Lord like that? Lord, I don't, whatever happens, just get the glory. More than anything else, just get the glory. More than the resolution the way I want it to be, just get the glory. See, there is a, a biblical way to deal with our burdens. <laughs> Hezekiah finishes up his prayer here just a short while later, Isaiah sends the news. What an amazing thing. Hezekiah prays over here. The prophet of God gets the word from over here and says, hey, Hezekiah, you don't need to worry about anything. King Sennacherib's going to get word that he's being attacked from somewhere else and he's going to leave and he's going to go home. You're never going to have to worry about him. And King Sennacherib gets word that he's being attacked from somewhere else and goes home and Oh, a few short years later, his sons come and kill him so they can take his throne. You know what? Hezekiah never had to worry about him again. Because he brought his burdens to the Lord the way he ought to bring his burdens to the Lord. No preconceptions, no personal plans. Just humbly, openly. And with one purpose in mind, for God to get the glory. See, I don't know where you are in your lives. There is such a variety of people in this room. I know for sure that there are people in this room who are dealing with medical concerns that no doubt are a burden in your life. There are people in this room who are dealing with family concerns that are no doubt a burden in your life. There is no doubt people in this room who are still carrying their own burden of their sin have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. We preach here at Community Baptist Temple. We preach the word. It's, It's becoming more and more uncommon in churches today. But God chose this form of delivering a message for one purpose. To bring people to a point of decision. He chose and ordained the method of preaching to to motivate and encourage, to edify the body of Christ and the people who would hear, to bring them to a point of decision in their life. I may not have said everything I should have said or the way I should have said it, but I am 100% confident that the Holy Spirit has done the work that He is supposed to have done. I have prayed for it, I have sought for it, and many of you have as well in preparation for church today. What decision then would God have you to make? What does He want from you this morning? You're in church on Mother's Day. What, why? And I say that not just for visitors or guests, I say that to the church members and all of us who are here weekly. Why? What does God want from you this morning? There are so many burdens in this life, and we have learned over this last year that we are not in control of anything in this life. We have control of nothing. We're supposed to blindly trust what people say even if it contradicts itself over and over and over again. And it's so easy to be bogged down when we just look at this life. I want to implore you this morning, make sure you know how to get a hold of God and that you're doing it all the time. In the good times and the bad times. Make sure that you have a beaten and trodden path to the presence of the Lord and to the house of God. So in those moments where your eyes are full of tears because of that grief and your mind is bogged down with that anxiety, you can get there as though you were a lost horse. Just doing it from memory. And spread those things out before the Lord. Stop holding back. Let Him see every part and nook and cranny of your heart. Lay it all out. It's a privilege, not a detriment. Expose it all before the Lord. Let Him work in your heart and your life. And seek His glory. No matter what you're going through, seek His glory in your life. If you're going through your life just for your own happiness, you're going to miss out on so much. You're going to miss out on so much in this life And you're going to miss out on even greater in the life to come. You have a letter there with you today. And now's not the time. But when you get home today, or maybe in silence this afternoon, I want you to fill in that letter. Those burdens that you need to spread before the Lord. Make an exercise of it. And lay it out before Him. You bow your heads in prayer with me this morning. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity it is to be in your house this morning. Lord, there are so many concerns and burdens of this life. How, learning how to deal with them is, is so difficult. There's so many conflicting ideas. Lord, here we see an example set forth in Scripture. And Lord, such an amazing and positive outcome. Lord, I pray that you would help us to rely upon you, to depend upon you, the way that we ought to, Lord, to be able to come to you willingly and openly and spread our burdens before your throne. Thank you for that amazing privilege. And even now, as we have a time of invitation, Lord, I pray that you would help us to humbly approach you with our, cur- our concerns and our burdens, the cares of this life. If you would go ahead and stand with me this morning, if the Lord spoken to your heart.